Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully you have something special planned for this weekend. I already know it's off to a good start because you're here. You're ready. You're ready to go. Uh, you may have noticed that my voice is just a little bit deeper than it normally is. I woke up this morning. Yeah, no, I'm into it. I'm really into it. I just feel like there's an authority that comes with just that kind of, I grew up listening to my grandfather preaching, he had the voice of God, brother. And I just, I don't got it yet. And so I feel like I'm one step closer this weekend. Um, Anyway, glad that you're here this weekend. Thanks for being here. If you're visiting with us, glad that you uh, decided to come and hang out with us. Uh, so last weekend uh, was supposed to be the, uh, the, the final week in our series called Stopping Points. And, um, and I was up at the Catalina Retreat with all the men here at SCG. We had a great week. Yes, super fun. I was speaking there all weekend and hanging out with the guys. And, um, and I had this moment in which I... I was looking at my own life, and I'll talk about kind of how that, that happened and evaluating some things, and I realized, oh no, we have one more week of stopping point. Like, not officially, we ended it, the train that was here, that's all gone, but I need to extend it one more week, and I apologize, um, but I think there's a stopping point that we overlooked, and I know that we've overlooked it because it's one of mine, and if it's one of mine, it might be one of yours as well. And so during the series, what we've done is we've, we've looked at our journey of faith, of following Jesus, and along the way as we follow Jesus, sometimes we hit what are called stopping points, and stopping points are where what we want and what Jesus wants come into conflict. And we have to decide, okay, is this where I decide to continue to follow Jesus or is this one of my stopping points? And so we talked about different stopping points like the pursuit of happiness and, and money and comfort and uh, our different idols and idolatry. We, we went through all these and I realized that the one that might be your stopping point and oftentimes is my stopping point is time. What I do with my time can be a stopping point from following Jesus, or at the very least, it limits uh, my, um, my growth in following Jesus. So we all know that if you are unwilling to put in the time into anything, it's probably going to fail, or at least it's not going to be what it could have been. So you look at uh, sports, for example. If you want to be great at sports, any kind of activity, a hobby, it's going to take time. If you want to do well at your work, it's going to take time. If you want your marriage or parenting to be successful, it is going to take time. And so sometimes we're unwilling to put in the time, and that is true of our faith. Is we wonder why our faith seems to be stagnant, and it might be because we have failed to put in the time. So we're going to look at a story in, uh, with uh, an interaction where Jesus has with one of his followers, and they come to this discussion of time. Are you willing to put in the time or are you going to go your own way? So if you have your Bibles or Bible app, we're going to be in Luke 10, verse 38. And it will also be up on the screens. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So the scene is uh, Jesus is at a dinner party with some of his closest friends. And we see the two characters there. We have Martha and Mary. And you might know that they have a brother. His brother also has a very interesting interaction with Jesus. His name is Lazarus. And he is raised from the dead. And so we have here Mary. And she is sitting there at Jesus' feet. And she's kind of like the image in my mind is she's like a little kid. 
Now, I don't know if she's sitting crisscross applesauce or if she's laying, or she's just hanging. Whatever her deal is, she is just soaking in this moment with Jesus um, at, her, uh, at her sister's house. But it says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So this gives me um, flashbacks. Growing up, my mother and father would host dinner parties, mostly for, for ministry-related stuff, people coming over, celebrating. And, and whenever I heard that there was a dinner party that was going to be happening, I remember within the, the lead-up in the couple of days, I just had fear and dread when I would enter into the home. Because my mother was like, look, this house has to be perfect. This has, you got to look better. You know, like things have to be in order. You know, and the day of, it's kind of like, look, don't even go into the bathroom. If you have to go, either hold it or go in the backyard. Because you are not messing up what I have put together in this house. I feel like Martha kind of has that vibe right now. Is she is busy. She has things to do and she doesn't have enough time to get it done. And so she's going to move and she's going to light a fire under you so that you get moving too. Now, when you look at Martha's pace of life, it may sound familiar because this is the pace of life that many of us, that we live, is we live a very fast-paced life. Even if you don't consider yourself busy, my guess is in comparison to how the rest of humanity has lived, we are very busy people. You, you can be a mom who is constantly on the go. So I, my wife, she has, uh, works here, but then she has the kids and she drives around with carpool and she's got to feed him. And it does sound like I don't do a whole lot, which is true. Um, she's got a lot going on. I, however, am relaxed, but she, she's got a lot going on. But, it, you know, maybe it's at work, you've got meetings, you know, you've got sales, you've got bills, you've got, you've got things constantly that you're on the go. And if you don't have something on your schedule, you probably put something on your schedule. And so we're constantly moving. For me, um, I can tell that uh, I'm, I, I really try to limit the amount of things that I put on my calendar, but I can tell that I have this busy sickness because if I find a spare moment in which I don't have anything scheduled, I don't have to be doing anything, I will try to find something to do. So for example, um, I, will, I will put my headphones in and I will listen to a podcast or an audiobook in those moments when I'm not doing something because I feel like I can't waste this moment. I must be productive. Or if it's my day off, um, I will try to finish one of the many unfinished projects that I have around the house. Is, oh my goodness, look at all these things. Everything in my house is 80% done because when I get to 80%, I go, I'm bored, and then I move on to the next thing. And so it's just a bunch of stuff unfinished in my house. So I think, okay, I must get these things done. I can't waste these precious hours. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's, it's such an awkward moment. Can you just imagine being at the dinner table and someone's yelling at Jesus? Like the only thing that I can, that, that I can imagine would be as awkward is if you had, let's say you had your boss over for dinner and then your spouse just says, come over here and help me. I need, set the, t you're so lazy. The boss would just be like, <laughs> okay, great, you guys. Uh, no, 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 no. I want you to see how he is at home. Is this how he acts at work? He's a disaster. He does nothing. I guarantee you he's doing nothing all day in his office. Have you ever checked in on him? This is, this is his work ethic. Just real awkward, real uncomfortable. And here, um, we, we see one of the major issues that not only Martha is struggling with, but I think something that we're struggling with. She is experiencing the consequences of being so busy and distracted. 
just right off the bat, you can name a couple of things. First off, she ends up focusing in on the wrong things. Now, I don't care if you're a Christian or not a Christian. If Jesus were at your house for dinner, you would be paying attention. Like, I got a lot of questions, Jesus. I need some insight. Like, let's talk about that whole, like, raising from the dead thing, the virgin birth. Like, I have a lot that I would like to discuss. I don't think I would be as concerned about cooking dinner. And yet, here she is, because she is focused in on the wrong things. And what happens when we get busy is oftentimes our view gets myopic, is we call it around here getting stuck in the weeds. We miss the big picture of life or of ministry or of whatever it is, and we start to narrow in on this thing needs to get done right now. I have a to-do list, and it's not getting any shorter. So this last week, I had the, the honor and privilege, and if you know me, um, how much I love this is I got to go to Disneyland. Um, that's probably why I'm not feeling well this morning, to be honest. Uh, no, I got to go to Disneyland, and uh, my, I, for, for 10 years, or no, longer than that, we've had Disney passes, and then this is the first year that I don't have a Disney pass. Um, but my family does, because I don't want to waste the money on something I hate. And so, sorry, <laughs> this is not a political statement, I just, yeah, it's just a thing. All right, anyway, um, so, so this last week, once a year, I will go to Disneyland. And the only reason I go is because I have a friend of mine who gets me a ticket. They have t- free tickets, and he makes me go with them. I'm not even sure if he's a friend at this point. And so I go to Disneyland, and I think, okay, Cody, this is your one day a year where you go to their, your kid's happiest place on earth, and so you just got to stick there. Don't complain. Don't whine. Don't say anything. Just, just do it, all right? This is your duty as a dad. Let's go. And so we're about eight hours into the day. And I have not complained. I haven't said a word. Um, I, have, I have just done my duty. And it's about 6, 6.30 at night. And I think, great. The kids are tired. You know I'm tired. It's time to go home. And my wife excitedly comes up to me and says, ah, you won't believe it. I just got the best seats for the parade tonight. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I do believe it. You know why? Because it's not for another two and a half hours. <laughs> so I'm sure you got great seats. Nobody is trying to get ready for the parade, but all right, here we are. I guess we're going to be watching the parade. And so during that whole time, everything in me wants to just like, okay, I'm going to put in my headphones. I'm going to go into my own world. I'm going to sit here for the two and a half hours we're waiting, and I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to disconnect. But I kept saying, Cody, no, you got to stay present. Because here's the truth, is I spend a lot of time around my family, but I don't spend as much time with my family. Like, I'll be around them. Oh, family days. Yeah, I'm okay. And I'm not going to schedule anything. But even in those moments when I'm around them, I'm not really with them because I'm distracted. I got things to do. I'm busy. And if I don't find myself with something to do, I'm going to find something to do. And so I said, okay, Cody, you have to stay present in this moment. She ends up focusing on the immediate instead of the important In 1954, President Eisenhower quoted a university president during one of his speeches, and he says this, I have two kinds of problems, the urgent and the important. The urgent are not important, and the important are never urgent. (laughs) Uh, If you know Stephen Covey, he has seven habits, uh, he's a highly effective person, I think. Um, He creates this matrix in which you can organize your life and the important and the urgent. But his point was, is that there's always going to be things that are calling for your attention, 
You need to answer this email right now. Did you check your text messages? I've been waiting for you. Breaking news. You have to know this or the world's no longer going to spin. You need to know. And everything is fighting for your attention. But rarely are those things important. It's usually the opposite. The things that are most important are hardly ever going to be calling for your attention. Your kids who are struggling very rarely are going to sit down at the dinner table and go, hey, can we talk about some pressures I'm feeling for my friends? You know, I'm really struggling with, no, 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 no. You won't hear about that until it's a crisis. And so we have to remember that it's never the important things that are calling for our immediate attention. So she ends up focusing on activity over people. Um, Activities are manageable. There's something that can be done efficiently. We can schedule them. We can control them. It means we can cram more of it in our lives. But the problem with relationships is they are never efficient. They always take time. Can you imagine if maybe in your marriage, your spouse came home and you said, look, I have scheduled 10 minutes for you to tell me about your day today. (laughs) Go. Ding. Time's up. Sorry. Don't care anymore. (laughs) I just can't. I can't. I scheduled you for 10 Okay, I don't care if you had a bad day today. We all have bad days. Suck it up, buttercup. Let's move. I got 10 minutes. I don't think you'll be married for very long if you do that. And it's because you can never schedule and put a time parameter around relationships. And so what we end up doing is instead of developing relationships, we trade it for just doing things. I'm going to get a lot of things done instead. And something has to break when we do that. It's usually our, either our emotional or our relational health. And so my bet is if you're having any kind of relational tension in your world, it may be because you're busy. Because you've got a lot going on. And you haven't taken the time to be able to invest in that relationship. Or you don't have the emotional health because you're so depleted because you're so busy to be able to give what they emotionally need. And so we look at Martha, for example. What is her emotional response because she's busy? Anger and anxiety. We have so much to do and Jesus, you're not helping. That's usually what happens when our tank, our emotional tank is so depleted that we're running on fumes. We can only react in these two ways. Anger and anxiety. And then sometimes we're apathetic. I just thought of that with an A off the top of my head. I am born to do this. Okay. Um, She's too busy to enjoy herself. So as we've already said, man, if, if Jesus were sitting at your dinner table, you want to do everything you can to just soak up that moment. This is going to be the highlight of your life, guaranteed. And yet here she is trying to, trying to get all of her tasks done. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a real nice restaurant before, and you've sat down and the food finally comes out, and you have somebody, maybe it's you, this is me, maybe it's somebody at your table who just inhales the food, right? Like, you're paying $100 for this meal. Each bite, $5. I don't even think you tasted it, dude. It was just in, consume, inhale, inhale, inhale. You're like, slow down, enjoy the moment. And I think that's what we would say to Martha and some of us would say to ourselves. I, I talk to people who have, um, are, are empty nesters. Their kids are out of the house and they always come to me and they go, Cody, just enjoy these moments. I know it's chaotic and I know it's crazy and I know it feels busy, but... It's just going to go by so fast. So just take the, I watched an interview the other day, and I don't even remember what it was about. I just remember this one guy's statement. He said, go and play catch with your kids whenever they ask, which I'm thinking, I will get nothing done. My child asks every day, all day to go play catch. But he says, go do that because now my kids, 
they'll never ask me to play catch. It's a season that you're in, and enjoy that season. And so we have to slow down, and we have to enjoy these moments. I can already see them starting to, to, um, to kind of float away, because my daughter, she's going to be 10 in just a couple months. She's just one step away from being a teenager. I can already see it. It just brings nightmares. And, you know, I just, it just freaks me out. I look at little pictures and I go, look how sweet you were. Look at you. Look at you. You didn't even talk. You didn't talk back. Nothing. You were so cute. Can we, you remember that? My dad told me, um, if you do life right, each stage gets better than the last one. And so I don't think it's just the stage that I'm in. It's the stage that all of us are in is if you do that stage well, it's not like you have regrets and you wish you could go and do it again. You just continue to get to go through life and go, that was great. I can't wait to see what's next. Wow, this one is awesome too. But we have to slow down enough to enjoy it. I've shared this before as we, uh, we have a rule in our house and it's actually becoming more and more difficult as the kids get older to implement, which is you can do one hobby or one sport or one activity at a time. I'm not carpooling from one activity to the next to the next to the next. You get to pick one thing. And I've told you, we, we tell them up front, look, you're not going to be an athlete. You're not going to be in the MLB. I'm your father. Look at this. Does this look like a person who is going to be a professional athlete? No, you're going to look just like me. All right, buddy? And so lower your expectations. Let's have some fun out there and realize this is going to come to an end before you know it. All right? And so I just try to, I know, I know, it's, it's tough in my house sometimes, but we're realistic, all right? I'm going to shatter those dreams before they begin. Um, <laughs> as I've said before, is, um, I want to start a movement. It's called Bring Boring Back. And we are excelling at our house at bringing boring back. Because my kids will come in on a daily basis and go, Dad, we're so bored. And I go, that's the point. <laughs> I'm doing a good job then. You see how there's three of you right here? That's why we had three, so that you guys could figure out what to do. Well, me and mom hang out and watch TV, so get in the backyard. <laughs> That's not my problem that you're bored. And in fact, it actually is a really good thing for them is um, studies have proven that they become more independent and creative and take initiative in those moments in which they're bored because they got to go and find something to do. We also see that Martha ends up making some pretty poor choices here. Whenever you find yourself yelling at Jesus, you've probably gone wrong somewhere. So she's made some short-term poor decisions, of course. And I think um, the reason why we do this is because we're too busy to slow down to think it through or we're just too emotionally drained in order to make good decisions. And so uh, this is maybe going to um, uh, annoy or insult a couple people. That's okay. Uh, I've seen this happen a lot lately. So one of the things that I was taught growing up, and studies have proven this to be true, is you never make big decisions in times of a high stress or transition. Now, I don't know if you've noticed the last couple of years, but we have had those two things, high stress and transition. And you know what lots of people have done? Made life-altering decisions during that time. And I just go, what are you doing, dude? Look, I understand that state looks really, really appealing and quitting that job sounds like a really good idea, but you know what's going to happen? In a few years, you're going to look back and go, oh, I didn't really see that as clearly as I thought I did. Oh, yeah, it got quiet. Yeah, it got weird. You're like texting friends out of state right now. Told you, watch the sermon. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, I would never want to make a big decision during times of transition or high stress because you know what? That state will still be there. And the job you quit... 
Ugh, you may not be able to get it back. And so whenever I am feeling like a time of high stress or anxiety or transition, everything in me wants to go and just run away from it and find an outlet. And yet I have to stay in it and go, no, 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 Cody, you got to be present and wait until the fog clears because you're too busy and too anxious and too stressed out to be making good long-term decisions. Also, um, we end up making some choices that affect our overall life. There's a book by Bronnie Ware. Uh, it's called The Top Five Regrets of Dying. She's a hospice nurse who helped care for people in their last days of their life. And she began asking them various questions. And one of the questions was, do you have any regrets? And she said out of all the questions that she asked there was, and all the answers that she got, there was primarily two things that stuck out. Here was the first one. The first regret was, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life of, that others expected of me. Here's a quote from the book. She says, this was the most common regret of all. When people realize that their life is almost over and look back clearly on it, it is easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. Most people had not honored even a half of their dreams and had to die knowing it was due to the choices that they had made or not made. It is very important to try and honor at least some of your dreams along the way. From from the moment that you uh, lose your health, it's too late. Health brings a freedom very few realize until they no longer have it. And the second regret was this, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. This came from every male patient that I had nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret, but as most were from an older generation, many of the female patients had not been breadwinners. All of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. Here's what this tells me. Unless we are highly intentional about how we spend our time and our energy, someone or something else will decide it for us. It could be the cultural pull saying, this is what you need to do. This is what it looks like to have a successful life. You need to have this house and your kids need to go to these schools and have these experiences. And so you need to grind, you need to go, and you need to make as much money as you can. And so we go and we try to fulfill the expectations that culture or that the people around us have. And then we realize at the end, oh no, I just went with what everybody else told me to do. And I've ended in a place which I don't really find all that fulfilling. And I can't go back. There's consequences, um, and the major consequence, I think, is that she ends up missing Jesus. Dallas Willard says, hurry is the great enemy of, our spiritual, of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Carl Jung, hurry isn't of the devil, it is the devil. Corey Ten Boom says, if the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. And my favorite quote and one of my favorite authors, uh, 17th century philosopher Blaise Pascal said, I've often said that the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. Now, he said this 400 years ago. Can you imagine if you were to show up today and just look around and go, what? You guys must be going crazy. 400 years ago, I thought people were too distracted and they needed time to to decompress. and, And look at you guys. You can't go 30 seconds without looking at your phones. If you were to look at uh, Jesus' pace of life, he was very rarely in a hurry. Like, if you, if you look at the stories of Jesus, he's present with people, he takes time to rest, he's eating dinner with friends, he's praying, he's teaching. He is incredibly focused and determined, but he is never in a hurry. I've read the Bible quite a bit. 
and I have yet to find this verse. If you find it, you send it to me. Is, and Jesus was running to make his next appointment. I've never seen it. I haven't seen it. He walked a lot. He took a lot of like detours where he's having conversations with people, but he seemed pretty relaxed in his day to day. And so some of us find it very difficult to follow Jesus because we're running and he's walking and we're just running right past him. How do you follow somebody who is walking while you're running? It's impossible. That's why so many of us have a hard time following him. 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. He's saying, why are you so distracted? Why are you so concerned? Why are you so busy? And I could just imagine her response is, well, Jesus, dinner doesn't just serve itself, all right? (laughs) There are dishes that have to be done. I've got to set the table. My sister's worthless. You see, she's doing nothing. So I've got things to do. And we would probably say something similar is, why am I so busy? Well, it's, it's the life stage that I'm in. I got kids to raise. Well, it's the industry. It's expensive to live here. It's just a season. Why are you so busy? And then in typical Jesus fashion, I would imagine he would push back a little bit and say, okay, I get it. All those things are necessary and all those things are good. But like, what's the real reason you're busy? Like what's below the surface there? Is there something deeper? Because you, you, even in the moments when you have the time to relax and you don't have to put those things in your schedule, you continue to move. You continue to push. What is it about your heart that's so unsatisfied that it cannot just simply stay still? What is this deep longing and desire that you have that you think you're going to meet by being busy? Busyness is the new status symbol of our time. It used to be uh, about what I have that showed how successful. Now it's about who I am that shows me I am successful. And and intuitively, we kind of know this to be true. Like if I came to you afterward, um, or you came to me after service, and you said, hey, Cody, can we grab coffee this week? And I go, I'm four weeks out, bro. I don't even know if I have time for that. (laughs) First of all, you would like be like, well, first, uh, he's a jerk. Like we hate this guy. I get that. Um, But you would almost think, wow, he's he's that busy? Man, he's got a lot going on in his world. Or if you came to me and you said, hey, Cody, can we grab coffee? And I go, yeah, how's right now work? I'm wide open. I don't have anything going on in my world. You go, I think he's slacking off a little bit. You know, I'm not really sure he's doing his job. And we somehow equate busyness with being successful or important. People want me. People need me. And so they want my time, their energy, my focus. I am somebody. And we begin to find our identity and value and meaning in it. I've also observed that one of the reasons why we are running so fast is we're trying to outrun some pain in our life. Maybe it's emptiness. Maybe it's past pain and regret and shame. Maybe it's God's call on our life. But many of us are busy because if we slow down, it's going to catch up with us, whatever it is. And so we just can't slow down fast or we can't slow down from going so fast because we don't want to know what is following us. So we stay busy. I ended the retreat this last weekend with... um, when I told the, the kind of the men's ministry leadership about what I was going to do, they were like, I don't know, man. I'm not sure that's going to work. And I said, eh, let's see what happens. And so at the last session, we had a few hours left. And I said, here's what I want you to do. Um, we're in this beautiful place on Catalina. There's nothing around us. I said, for the next few hours, I want you to go and just spend time in silence and solitude. 
Don't be around anybody. Don't lay down and fall asleep. Don't, I just want you to go and pray, read scripture, and listen. And I can see some of the guys, like, in their eyes, they're just like, oh, I'm by myself out there. It's scary. <laughs> and yet, um, that, I've realized that that is when I, uh, I have been most often found myself hearing from God and having spiritual and emotional breakthroughs in those moments is because I just spent enough time to just sit there and listen and just to not have any distractions. So for Martha, this is a potential stopping point. She has her agenda. She has her goals. She has the things that she wants to accomplish. And as she is pursuing those things, it comes into conflict with what Jesus wants for her time and her agenda and her schedule. And so she has to decide, okay, do I stop what I'm doing and give my time up to Jesus, or is this where we part ways? And some of us, we have that same problem, is we have our agenda, and it's not aligning with Jesus. And we know this because most people only come to church about once or twice a month, because we got our own agendas. And we know this because there's lots of you guys who haven't done Rooted yet, because we got our own agendas. And we know this because we haven't prayed or read the scriptures in quite a long time. It's because we have our own agendas. And so we have to decide, okay, I know what God wants me to do with my time and my schedule, and I know what I want to do. Which one will I choose? But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What Jesus is saying here is that there is a million good things that you could do with your time and put in your schedule. And you should do those things. But at the end of the day, there's only one thing that's really going to matter. And it is a relationship with him. Because if you go and you succeed in all the other arenas of life, you're just a superstar. You're a time management guru. You can accomplish more than anybody else. But you get to the end of your life and you have done all that, but you have neglected Jesus. Guess what happens? Everything else becomes useless. Because you have failed to make the number one thing the most important thing in your life. He says that this is the only thing that's going to last. Not only is this the most important thing in our life, but this is the only thing that actually goes beyond death. Is your relationship with him is the only thing that is going to matter in the end. Lots of good things that you can do. And you should do all of those things. But unless you keep the number one thing, number one, all of those are going to turn out to be useless. During our hours of silence and solitude um, that we spent, I decided I was going to hike up to, there was this hill that was um, next to the camp where we were at. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and hike up there. And so I got really prepared. I went directly from um, meeting just like this where I had uh, vans on, jeans, shirt, and I decided it's a good outfit to go hiking in. And I had my coffee. So I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. Uh, and I forgot how out of shape I was on top of it. It was a mess. And so I started making my way up to the top of this hill where I want to spend some time, and I, I finally get up to the top of the hill, and I sit there, and it's just a beautiful view, and I go, okay, God, I'm going to spend the next two or three hours with you right now, and I look around, and I'm like, oh, there's an ant. <laughs> I wonder what that ant's been up to today. <laughs> ant, where are your friends? Are your friends around here? Where are your friends, you know? And they're like, oh, I heard a bird, <laughs> and so like 30 minutes, I'm just like, ah, you know, until I can finally just go, Oh, okay, Cody, relax. Dude, you're very distracted. I don't know how it's possible, but you are distracted in the middle of nowhere. And so about 30 minutes into it, I finally start to go, okay, God, like my, my, my mind is focused in on you. I'm just going to start, I'm just going to start talking to you and just try to listen. And so as I began to pray and eventually I began to, what I believe here from God, 
I started to take notes on my phone. No phone service, so, you know, can't get distracted by that. So I'm starting to take some notes, and here's one of the things that I wrote. If I want my life to turn out different than everyone else's, I will have to live differently than everyone else. Sounds so simple, and it's so basic. Let me read it again. If I want my life to turn out differently than everyone else's, I will have to live differently than everyone else. And what I meant by this is I'm going to have to spend my money, my time, my energy, my my resources, all of those are going to have to be spent differently if I want my life to look different than everybody else's. Because as I look around the world, um, and I see people walking away from their faith, I see marriages falling apart, I see kids going off the deep end, I go, I don't want to end there. I don't want that to be my life. That's not where I want to end up at 85. And so if I don't want to end up where pretty much everybody else is ending up, I've got to live differently than ever. I shouldn't be surprised when I do what everybody else does with my time and my money and my talents, and I end up just like they do. And so what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to decide, is it worth me being uncomfortable and me having maybe a lot of difficulty in allocating my money and my time differently in order to have a life that looks different? And so I decided, okay, what I need to do is I need to start viewing my time like I view my money. I need to put the non-negotiables in first. And so as a Christian, what I say is Jesus is my first priority. He is number one in my life. And so when it comes to my budget, I allocate funds to him first. This is called a tithe. We talked about this. The first 10% directly goes to God. Before I spend money on anything else, because I want my priority list to, uh, to reflect my spending. Well, the same is true with my time. When it comes to my schedule, if Jesus is first in my life as a priority, then I'm going to put him first. That means my daily prayer and scripture. That means church on the weekends. That means rooted group. That's serving. That's all of those things must be put in my calendar. So I'm looking at a blank calendar. I put those things in before I put anything else in. Any other obligations that I may have, that goes in there first. And then I go to my next priority. My next priority is my spouse, Amy. Okay, so that's going to go in second, and I start putting those in. And then I go to the next, and those are my kids, and so I'm going to put that in, and then I keep going down the line. Because what I have to do is, I have to come up with what my priorities are and make those things non-negotiable, which is totally different than how many of us allocate our time. If you think about how you allocate your time, you're probably one of two ways. The first way is um, you're, you're not intentional at all with it. You just go with the flow. Whatever um, is coming at you, whoever is screaming the loudest, those are the people that get your time and energy. You live in the immediate. It could be immediate desires of other people or it could be your own immediate desires. I feel like doing this today. Or maybe you are a person who's really good at time management. The problem is that a lot of those people are really good at managing their time, but they're focused on the wrong things. They're focused on work and money and success. And that's not the thing that should be at the top of our priority list. And so when I allocate my time, starting with my priorities first, those are the non-negotiables. If there is a conflict in my schedule, I already know what has to give. It's not my non-negotiables. It's not the things that are most important to me. It's those other things that now want to come into my schedule. I go, "Mm, sorry, can't do it. Yeah, you see that? I've already got that in my schedule. I, I can't. Maybe we can find a different, a different time. See, one of, the, um, one of the deals that Amy and I have is that um, in order to spend time with her and the kids, and we did this early on in our marriage, is I have to be home by 5.30 every single day. 
doesn't matter. 5.30, you're here. If, you're, if it's 5.45 and you're rolling up right now, it better be because you were stopped and got me flowers on the way home. Other than that, there's going to be a problem. 5.30, you're home. And if there is something that comes up, ministry things, and that, that happens, then we negotiate. And we go, okay, look, this is something I can't miss. I've got to be there. And so here's what we're going to do is because I'm not home at 5.30 and this time I have to be home late, tomorrow I'm going to take the morning off so we can spend some time together. But it's very rare because those are my non-negotiables. And so I go through my list of priorities, okay? My faith is number one, and then she is number two two, and then my kids are number three, and I go all the way down, and I have my job, which is ministry, and depending on the day, it's either number five or 50, just depends on how things are going. You know, Mondays, it's kind of like, oh, it's down there, but you know, today it's good. Um, So I showed up. Um, No, but I allocate my time according to my priorities. So here's a couple questions I just want to end with real fast. Very simple. Today's message is nothing new. Everybody could walk away going, I could have given that message. And maybe you should next time. I don't know. But here's a couple questions to get you thinking. First one, are there important things in your life that you have neglected because you have been distracted by the more immediate things? So this is about adding things into your schedule. What are the things that you've neglected because you've been so distracted by all the things that are wanting your attention? What do you need to add into your schedule? Maybe um, it's, a, it's a relationship that's been neglected. Your spouse, your kids, family, friends, maybe even your employees. Maybe it's your body that's been neglected. Man, I can't remember the last time I exercised and I just, I eat whatever's in front of me and it's just going downhill fast. And so I've kind of neglected that. Or, or maybe it's your spiritual disciplines. But what have I been neglecting that I would say is a top priority in my life um, that I need to add in? Then the second question is, what do I need to subtract from my schedule in order to add those important things in? And so some of us, we need to put a name here. Because we have these people who just continue to suck all of our time and energy. They give nothing back and we love them and we want the best for them and we want Jesus in their life. But I just can't give them any more time. Or maybe it's an activity. Golf. You're not going to make the tour, dude. So maybe a little bit less time. Netflix, social media, work, all of these things, they're not bad in of themselves, but maybe they're getting in the way of better things. And so my final thought is this, is everybody will spend their time and energy on something. There is no pause button. There is no rewind button when it comes to life. Each moment is here and it's gone and we're all spending it in one fashion or another. The problem is, is that few people are spending it on things that truly matter. And so, we have to limit what we do with our time because, as the scripture says, our time is limited. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these moments um, where we get to come together, we get to worship, and we get to learn, we get to reflect, and oftentimes we are challenged. And Lord, as we... um, as we think about our own schedules and the time that you've given us, we don't know how much time that you have given each one of us. We just know that each moment is a gift and that we are supposed to be good stewards of that. And so, Lord God, I just pray that you would help us to use our time wisely, that we would allocate it to things that actually matter, to the things that matter to you and the things that matter to us, and and that at the end of the day, we would say that we have used these moments that you have given us wisely. And so, Lord God, I just pray that if we are finding that we are busy, that we are distracted, that we would be able to just stop 
step back and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with the time that you have given me? Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys stand with me. Thank you so much for being here this week and have a great Memorial Day. Continue to pray for our community and our nation and stay safe. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.